Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. We are here a bit early in front of a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series with the Ole Miss Rebels. Here to preview, I am your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. All right. And this is, of course, the Maroon Mike. It is full baseball mode today. Uh, I don't care what's happened to any other sports uh, today. Uh, if we had fired Mike Leach today or something, or if we had, you know, gotten uh, a quarterback transfer, we would be talking about baseball today because it is that week again. We get four games in a row against the University of Mississippi. We've got all the stats. We've got all the numbers. We've got all the uh, – the info, the breakdown, we're going to tell you how this series is going to go and what it's going to take for Mississippi State to win this series. And uh, before that, though, we are still still on the baseball theme, going to kind of talk about a successful midweek game. Cam James is hot. Don't let Cam get hot. Uh, bad things happen for the teams. I think the lineup is starting to settle. Of course, last night the lineup was a little bit experimental, but that was just, I think that was more about getting some guys some reps. The lineup – that you saw this weekend, I think you're going to see most of the, pretty much the whole time in Oxford, unless you get two poor days in a row. But that said, we are ready to uh, take on the Rebels. I think last night was a perfect, for both teams involved, a perfect midweek. We used three pitchers, three of the only pitchers that we may not need this weekend. And to be fair, we might need them. We, we, who knows? With, with what we're dealing with right now, we might see Andrew Walling or Lane on the mound or uh, Jack Walker. Wouldn't surprise me. But as of right now, those are that and Cole Cheatham are probably the only three that you could get away with not using this week. And then the other two pitchers you used, Mikey Tepper and Jackson Fristo, had pretty good appearances and needed some work. You needed to get them some, some pitches thrown, get them some uh, an outing, and you got that. So that was perfect. On the flip side, Ole Miss loses by 10. 13 to 3. To Southeastern Missouri State. Uh, that's all we have to say about that. They used about nine pitchers, and none of them are burned. They didn't you know nobody, they didn't like trot out their best reliever and he throws 70 pitches. Okay. So don't, you know, quote me on that. I think the fact that Timo had such a big lead was a part of that because they really couldn't afford to lose that game. When I tell you they can't, I mean, they could not. Uh, it's not like, oh, it's a midweek game, doesn't matter, just flush it. They, they, they needed to win that game, don't get me wrong. But because Simo was so good at the plate, uh, they, they prevented them from trying to just throw somebody out there and, and go win the game. They kind of just managed their pitching staff. So don't act like they just burned somebody. But I'd much rather be the team coming off a midweek win to a you know directional school than the team that lost big time to one at home. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, there, there's two ways to look at it. You could look at it and say, oh, Ole Miss was looking ahead to stay. They're not going to let it affect them. You know, but when you look at the kind of season that they've had, when only four weeks ago, they were the number one team in America, according insane, to D1 insane. Baseball. And all of us had been saying, no, they're not. We said they, they, are, they are not the best team in America. We all knew Tennessee was. 
especially those of us who are voters in the CWS 247 poll, uh, you and me, like it, it is weird to look at that. And if you're an Ole Miss player, like you have got – your head's got to be hanging low right now because you got swept by Tennessee. You lost a series to – you got swept by Alabama. You lost a series to South Carolina, one arguably one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the SEC this year. I know. And did, did the they win the other series? Oh, I mean, Ole Miss has the worst record in the West, right? Yeah, they do. So we're, we're, We only have one more win than them, but, like, we have more wins than them. Uh, but – isn't uh goodness gracious, there was a fourth series. Who was it against? Tennessee. You say Tennessee. They, they got swept by Tennessee. They beat Kentucky and Auburn. That's who it was. Kentucky and Auburn. I couldn't remember those two series. So they won two series, got swept twice, and then they only have five wins in the SEC. You know, they got four between Kentucky and Auburn and one against South Carolina. The other two teams swept them. They if you're if you're on Ole Miss, your expectation to get in the year was Omaha. How many Ole Miss fans that you see on Twitter say it's Omaha or bust this year? You're currently unranked. D1 baseball has you as the last four out or first four out. My bad. On last on four the, out, be the worst four teams in the league. Yeah. <laughs> the first <laughs> four. Mississippi Valley, Iona, St. Peter's. If and- I was voting, I would have put them on the last four out. But I mean, no, like they're in the first four out of the tournament. Like, not even scheduled to make a tournament. Now, granted, we aren't either. But they just lost a series to South Carolina and got blown out at home. If they have what it takes to bounce back this weekend, props to them. Props to them. Because that is that takes guts right there to bounce back after a really, really tough stretch of games. But – yeah, for, if I'm looking at it from this perspective, I'm hanging my head low. If I'm a fan, I'm hanging my head low. You know, I, I saw fans on Twitter saying, all right, just wave the white flag to state. Let them roll over us. And I mean, you've got, you got Ole Miss fans rooting for them to lose. Yeah, so that so that they get rid of Bianco. I mean, I'm look, okay. I want them to keep Bianco, you know. Me too. I, that, I, look, I didn't expect my tweet to, to get as popular as it did. But I got Rowdy Jordan like the tweet this morning. I saw. Uh, I just tweeted extend Bianco, extend Bianco. Uh, and a buddy of mine who goes to school at Ole Miss is like, no, we will actually riot. I said four years, uh, four years, eight million, book it. And um, no, he he will not be coaching there next year. I, I mean, even if Ole Miss, they have to, they'd have to go to Omaha. I mean, they would have to turn the season around. Sneak yep. into the tournament, go on a run, and go to Omaha. And that's not happening. That's not. Um, I think whoever loses this weekend series – I know I'm getting to this point kind of early. Whoever loses this weekend series will probably not be playing in June. There is a chance whoever loses this series won't be playing in Hoover. That's right. That is a legitimate chance right now. And that – that's not what you expect after the last four or five years of the Ole Miss-Mississippi State rivalry. It's not. What we've always expected is, okay, the winner, they're going to be propelled forward to be a top eight seed nationally, go on their way, and have the best shot to make it in Omaha. What do you know? Completely different angle this year. Baseball in the state of Mississippi as a whole is down this year. Except Southern Miss, they're up. Your top two heavy hitters are down. 
your one underdog is on top, the top 10 team in the country right now. And all topsy turvy. So uh, before we get into some of these, uh, these stats things, you know, there are some talking points first. Uh, you're going to have to go and do this without um, Brooks Auger and Parker Stinnett likely. So we haven't heard anything official. I didn't even know Parker Stinnett was hurt until it kind of made the rounds. And that seems to be for real. It's not just somebody blowing smoke. Don't know what that is. If you know anything, let me know. And then Brooks Auger, who initially looked pretty bad. It was that what you hate. You throw a pitch, you call for the trainer and you're like, Oh great. Here we go. I've somebody, somebody that I'd know personally, not just getting this from other, you know, people like me that are talk blowing smoke, you know, like we tend to do. I did talk to somebody that they said they wouldn't be surprised if it was a, uh, if it was something not season ending for Brooks, but don't quote him on that. So as in, if it is, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but Brooks might be fine. I still doubt he pitches this weekend. And then we don't know. I have no idea about Parker. Absolutely nothing. No clue. So if you know anything, please feel free to share. There's nothing I know. So on Augur, I've heard the same thing as you. Um, it was, it was clubhouse chatter was that he might be okay. But, you know, that that's just word of mouth, you know, not a, an official in writing like, oh, hey, Brooks Auger is totally okay. He's good to go this weekend. He, he's not pitching this weekend. I hate to say it. But at a time when we would normally give the ball to Brooks Auger, we're going to give the ball to Jackson Fristo, Mikey Tepper. Um, Pico Khan, who we know is – Pico is going to pitch anyway. Drew Talley and Pico somebody Connor. else. We're, we're – I think there's somebody else, like, is it Cole Cheatham? Is it Jack Walker? Is it Cam Tuller? Is it Lane Forsythe? Is it Andrew freaking Wally? Like, somebody else is going to have to pitch. I think Cam Tuller is no longer going to be used in that, you know, long outing relief. Mm-hmm. I think the only way we see Cam Tuller this weekend is – if we have a big spot where a righty gets in trouble and a lefty is coming up to the bit, to the plate with two outs, I would trust Cam Toller in that situation. A lot of people wouldn't. I would. The if reason you look I say- at if you look at his OBA, his opponent batting average difference between left and right, right-handers are batting like five hundred, but left-handers are not hitting well at all. Well, that's how we used him last year, right? It, it makes perfect sense to put him up against a lefty. In that situation, he had so many like one or two out outings last year. And like, I'm not trying to brag here, but at the beginning of the season, this is what I said he was good for. And I said, if he can't be used for long relief, this is what we have to go back to. What do you know? He hasn't worked out in long relief. And in the bull, in, in the berm, I'll say it's like people are like, oh my God, Cam Tolo's coming in. And normally, if it's to start an inning, I agree. Like, oh, brother, like, this isn't a great sign. It's just who we have available. If he's coming in with two outs against Jacob Gonzalez, I'm going to say it. I'm confident. Jacob Gonzalez is going back to the bench. Like, I will say it right there. And I don't know. It, it's going to be tough to see. And I, I agree with you. Like, I don't know anything about Augers, Stinnett, but they are not pitching this weekend. We are going to see Mikey Tepper. We are going to see Jackson Bristow. We are going to see Drew Talley. Possibly Cole Cheatham in a matchup situation. Possibly Jack Walker in a quick matchup situation to, to pull, you know, Pico Khan or, or, you know, uh, uh, I can't my name's right. 
Toller out the game. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's that's going to be. It's going to be. You're going to see a lot of these matchups played, and I think we're going to have a lot of short outings so that guys can pitch on multiple days. Yeah, I, I really uh, expect multiple appearances from some relievers, and I expect uh, some matchups to be used, like you said, for sure. Somebody's got to step up. That's just a part of it. It's it's they're not in any much better shape, but somebody's got to step up. Something I want to talk about, um, and we talk about this, I feel like every year, and for some point, to some extent, it's overblown. All right, but here's the thing: this is a, a little bit of an explanation as to why we have dominated them so much over the past few years. Because let's be quite honest with ourselves: there have been years we have had we've had absolutely no business beating them the way that we have. And we've done it. We were honestly, 2019, to sweep them in their own place was shocking. To beat them at all in 2018 was shocking. Um, you go over there in 17 and beat them, sweep them. You beat them in 16. Of course, we beat them last year. Two out of one. I mean, we beat them two out of three last year. That was probably expected. But it's been so dominant. And to go to boot, you know, they didn't play it the last two years, but you're winning all those Governor's Cups while you're at it. This is something that I think might have to do with it, and it's going to come into play this year. Mike Bianco likes to go to California and Florida and Texas for a lot of recruits. And for the Mississippi kids, it's just it's not just another series. It's just like the egg bowl is not just another game. If you look at our roster, all three of our uh, rotation pieces, Preston Johnson, Brandon Smith, Cade Smith, Cameron James, Logan Tanner, Luke Hancock, Brad Cumbus, Kellum Clark, Tanner Leggett, Hunter Hines, Braylon Skinner, and Matt Quarter are all from Mississippi. If you look on the other side, for Ole Miss, out of their 13 most used position players, you got three Mississippians. And out of their 10 most used pitchers, you have three Mississippians. So out of their, you know, on the mound and in the field, out of the 23 most used players, you have six Mississippians for, uh, for Ole Miss. And I just named, you know, a dozen for Mississippi State. It's a difference. And I didn't, and there's a couple that I missed that may or may not play very much. But right now, we are finding those homegrown kids that are able, that are just as talented. It's not like we're, we're, we're having worse recruiting classes than Ole Miss because we're not. Uh, but if you're a, just the brand for Mississippi State for, from all throughout the 80s and the 90s, and then, you know, you kind of lost your way in the 2000s, but then through the Cohen era, and now it's been Mississippi State out in front, you know, those in-state kids are wanting to come here. And I do think it makes a difference on this weekend. And not because – not do, do I – can I quantify the, that difference? No. Do I know for sure that there's a difference? No. But how on earth do we keep winning this series year in and year out? I mean, we've just dominated it. So I do think that there's something at play there uh, for sure between Mississippi State and Ole Miss with the, uh, the in-state kind of angle for that, you know? I agree. I mean – you know, Colton, we, we both come from a position where what we both grew up cheering for Mississippi State, right? Right. We were grown. We were raised to hate Ole Miss. I mean, no matter what, we hate that school up north. And that's why the Egg Bowl, there are so many players from Mississippi. That's why it's a toss-up every single year. But you, you, you make the perfect point right there. Like, it's not always a toss-up in baseball. It, it should be sometimes dominated by Ole Miss, but it's not. These guys grew up in this state, and when you think of baseball in the state of Mississippi, you think maroon and white. You don't think navy and red. You don't like. You really don't. As much 
as much as like Ole Miss's like bigger social media, I'll say they have a bigger social media brand, namely on TikTok. <laughs> um, which I'm I'm not going to talk about that. I mean, like, good for them they have that, but like in the end, it the product on the field is what matters the most, and that's why like whenever you're in the state of Mississippi and you think of baseball, your first color that comes into your head is maroon. It is not powder blue. It is maroon. And that's why these guys who grew up, I mean, all the guys from DeSoto Central, right, which is, what, 50 miles away from Oxford? All these boys from DeSoto Central that that just say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to go just south of here over to to Oxford. I'm going to go through Oxford to Starkville to play baseball. Well, because that's Cade Smith, Cameron James. Blaze Jordan was from there. We have another guy from uh, DeSoto. I know it. Um, so we got a Kent, bunch. DeSoto Central produces. Ted Cade and Cam. Yeah. I mean, just in the past, you know, Dustin Skelton's from that area. Riley Self is from that area. Uh, of course, like, Cam James, because Cam James is from up there. The the, the phenom Blaze Jordan, who I I could have sworn was going to be playing in state. And then. No, I knew that. Well, that was a tough, tough one. I, I I just I had Braylon Skinner Braylon Skinner's from up there. It's like all these guys that are from that area, which in football, like they're more likely to go to Ole Miss, right? We more control the southern part of the state in in football. They, they control the northern part. Baseball, it doesn't matter, and that that's why Bianco had to adapt and go out of state. He's been there long enough to know. He doesn't run the state of Mississippi in terms of recruiting players from the SIP. And I don't know, it, it, it's a great, it's a great thing. I love this advantage. And that's why like we're always the favorite, no matter what the case. I mean, 2018 proved that. You said it best. Like 2018 proved that. So definitely something to consider. So tell us uh, a little bit about what we should expect from our three starting starting pitchers this week. Yes, yeah, so our pitching is still still. Not doing great this year. Uh, 502 ERA, 411 strikeouts, to 170 walks, to 2.4 ratio, and uh, just an average 244 batting average against. And it's going to be headline uh, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On Thursday, we're throwing Brandon Smith on the mound. Uh, I think we can all agree. Uh, I think I saw one tweet described it best since like mid March. He might have been. He might be our best pitcher. I mean, he had a really rough start. Gave up quite a few runs, and that's what's kind of like jacked up his ERA. But he's sitting at four one four right now, and he went what six innings on Thursday against Auburn. Five phenomenal outing. Five. Um, still good. He only gave up one run or two runs, something like that. You know, but he looked dominant out there. He did not walk guys. He did the classic Brandon Smith thing. He's not going to walk guys. He's going to get the ground ball outs. He's going to get those outs. He's got two and two record, thirty seven innings pitch. That 33 to 3 strikeout to walk ratio. I remember that was the same strikeout to walk ratio he had. Oh, wait, that's old. That is old. Hold on. That's not. He didn't get a strikeout. I think it's 33 to 4 now because he did have one walk, but just one. Uh, okay. Okay. But, you know, he didn't have a strikeout, but he still had a really, really good outing. Um, you know, we know we're going to get our Brandon Smith. If we're really lucky, we get six innings out of him. And oh, boy, that is huge for us. Uh, next guy is Beef. We all know what we're getting out of Beef, right? Completely dominant last Friday. I mean, 
the best outing of his entire career. Probably it's okay. We were we were not going to lose that game. He's still sitting at that four two one ERA, three two record, fifty one and a third innings, seventy nine strikeouts on the year now, just twenty four walks, and I mean in beef we trust, right? Like I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. Hashtag in beef we trust. He, that man is going to come out and he, he's going to try to dominate you on the mound in any way possible. But our classic Sunday, or in this case Saturday starter, Cade Smith, another really good outing. Last weekend, we just didn't get the support at the plate to really back it up. But he's sitting at the 3-4-2 ERA now, 4-2 record and 50 innings, 47 strikeouts, 23 walks. Another thing, like we know we're getting out of Cade Smith, right? When we pulled him out of the game, we had the lead. We looked like we were in control. Bullpen lost at that game, you know, and I, not just the bullpen, but I'd say just not great hitting either. And I don't, I don't remember if you or Lounge mentioned it. It was a good decision to send Matt Corder home on that play. I just had to get that out the way. I don't, I don't remember if y'all talked about it or not. But, yeah, it, it was – I don't know. This rotation is, is really starting to come together, I feel. I don't, I don't know what your opinion on it is, but I think it's coming together. Fielding – I don't have any complaints. Yeah. Now, the fielding is where it gets fun. Uh, so Ole Miss is currently fielding at a, a 0.966 compared to ours 0.943. So they have 39 errors compared to our 22. Oh, we're they in a 0.983. What did I say? 4.3. Oh, ours is better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to say that wrong. Oh, yeah. 0.983. Uh, 39 errors uh, to our 22. They've had 16 errors on the left infield and five from the catcher. So, yeah, it's a clear difference at who is who's playing better on defense this year. And, I mean, like, something that was a problem for us last year, really we started to figure it out. And, you know, props to, props to the coaches to helping get that figured out. You know, I really like the way we have our uh, lineup situated at the moment, especially this last weekend. Yeah, it, fielding, like, just like we thought with LSU, expect our defense to play better. Yep. Uh, even at home, it's been a little bit of an adventure for them fielding. If you look at uh, – and, and not that we've fielded the cleanest as of late. Um, Sunday, I think that's part of the reason you lost that game uh, was, for, was for fielding deficiencies. Got a new third baseman in there. Uh, trying to work some things out on the right side, on the left side of the infield, but we're we're working on it. So for Ole Miss, we're going to get into this Ole Miss situation. Four point nine one ERA. That's right below ours. Pretty close. Uh, we are ahead in K's. They are ahead in walks. And I think they have played a couple less games than us. So let's be advised on that. On all these stats, even through the hitting, they played a couple less games. A couple more rainouts. <clears throat> we've got a 370 – they've got 370 Ks to 141 walks. That's 2.6 ratio, so slightly better than us on that. Uh, but a 250 batting average against, so slightly worse than us on that. Very, very similar, though. All those numbers are quite similar. Going to get into uh, this rotation. It's very interesting for Ole Miss. So they have also – they so as just like we've been shuffling around the starting rotation, they have two. 
they've had a lot of problems with pitching, and I think theirs is more with their starters than when, whereas ours has been with our relievers. Um, and injuries have even played a part of that as well. So, for example, there, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. Jack Washburn has started the last couple of SEC weekends, last three actually. He rolled up a leg and got hurt uh, against South Carolina, and it didn't look good, and he is not one of the starters this week. So I don't anticipate him to throw at all. Uh, I hope that he's okay. Uh, but if he wanted to get to become totally okay after these four games with us, wouldn't bother me. So starting off on Friday, you got Dylan DeLucia. Dylan DeLucia, very interesting. He's 5.03 ERA, so doesn't just jump off the page at you. He has 2-0, just 34 innings pitched, 33 Ks to 10 walks. So not a ton of walks. Um and not a huge strikeout guy, kind of on that Brandon Smith little clip, not quite as few walks as Brandon. He is a low 90 sinker slider guy. He really is their version of Brandon Smith. I mean, older guy. He's, a, I believe, a, a Juco transfer. Going to get you uh, with that low 90 sinker slider, which is like J- Joseph Gonzalez for Auburn, it's the type of pitcher that tends to give us trouble. I think that is a big key for them Is it is it is a bad matchup for us. Here's something that's very interesting. His home ERA is 11.37. His ERA on the road is 0.87. He is amazing on the road. And then at home, he's been a little bit sus. He has not started a home game yet. That is another thing that I want to mention. So he started twice. Make triple check. That's right. Yes, only started twice. Kentucky and South Carolina has done fantastic as a starter. But at home, where he has not started, though, so be advised on that, he has not done as well. He start, uh, two, He had two pretty poor short outings versus Alabama and sandwiched around that in between uh, before and after that. Good start at Kentucky, good start at South Carolina. And like I said, he has kind of their Brandon Smith, even to the point, you know, give up a few home runs. He's given up six home runs, which leads the team. Uh, Brandon Smith has given up seven. We've got Preston Johnson's given up eight. Those are kind of your home run giver-uppers. Also close to the lead in innings pitch there. Does have the lead for Preston Johnson, so that's a part of that. For this guy, he is not uh, around the lead in innings pitched uh, for them. Well, yeah, he is. He's around the lead. He, he actually is. That's not true. But he does lead the team in home runs. So very, very similar, I think, to Brendan Smith. Hunter Elliott. Hunter Elliott has a, is the Saturday starter. Best, or I guess it'll be the Friday starter for them. Best record out of this, uh, these three guys, 3.33 earned run average, but he's one and three on the year in just 27 innings. So not, not as many innings as the other two guys. 39 Ks, 13 walks. So about half a walk per inning, but about a strikeout and a half per inning. So he is going to uh, get you strikeout. He's a left handed guy. He's got that 90 to 93 slider to change up. Uh, nothing, you know, incredibly special, but anybody that's above 90 from the left side can give you fits. Did not play at all against um, South Carolina. He's only started three times before now. Okay, so he has started three times. Hasn't started in a while. Did not pitch at all last week. He started against Alabama and UK, UK, Kentucky. I guess we call them UK, but I said that like, like I would call it, like I'm talking about the country uh, in my notes here. Wasn't great in either of those outings. Um, and then he was – he threw six innings of relief versus Tennessee and wasn't fantastic in that outing either. It was kind of just chewing up innings to get to somebody else. Um, 
sorry about that. Uh, we do have dogs in this house. Anyway, as I was saying, started versus uh, Alabama and Kentucky, not great. Hunter Elliott, six inning pitch of relief versus uh, Tennessee. He was just trying to chip some innings and wasn't fantastic. Um, the longest outing he's had as a starter is just 4.1 innings pitched. Uh, so, again, Hunter Elliott, not – he did not throw six innings pitch of relief. He gave up six hits to Tennessee. His longest, his longest he's ever gone is 4.1 innings. Sorry about that. So, he, he again, this isn't a guy that's going to go six or seven innings, we hope. We don't think, right? Lastly is the starter, Derek Diamond, 6.02 ERA, not great. He's 3-3, three and three, 40 innings uh, pitched this year, 39 strikeouts to nine walks. So he's cut down on the walks. You know, uh, last year, you know, walks were a problem, but he was a little bit more of a strikeout guy. He's loaded. He, he can run it up there at 96, 97, but for the most part, he's going to be in the low to mid 90s. He's trying to kind of keep it under control. He's got a slider and a, uh, he has a changeup. He'll throw to left handed hitters. So Hunter Hines, Caleb Clark, those guys need to be aware of that. And he has gone less than 5.2 innings in every uh, SEC start. He is not a guy that has lasted incredibly long. Um, he has, in fact, his longest outing of the year was against South Carolina, so he's actually getting better, but that was just 5.1 innings. Uh, did go five innings apiece in his first two starts, but then after that has, has only gone uh, five innings once. So not terribly long. In all of his last starts, um, he's given up multiple runs. In fact, he's given up multiple runs in every appearance except one versus Oral Roberts. Five runs, three runs, three runs, two runs, two runs, and four runs in his SEC in his SEC appearances, okay? Uh, and only one of those, like I said, was more than five innings. So Derek Diamond, uh, Hunter Elliott, neither one of those guys are going terribly long. Dylan DeLucia, uh, he can go a little longer. He's got a couple outings of over six innings, but recently has not gone long until South Carolina when he went 7.2. He was fantastic against South Carolina, so got to be aware of that. But – Nobody's really scaring you. You know, Delusia, even Delusia, who's been really fantastic recently, uh, hasn't pitched well at home. So you got that kind of an edge there. You just start to wonder, you know, what Ole Miss really has in the tank from the starting pitching standpoint. Now, on to the relievers. They have one reliever with an ERA below three. Okay. They have one pitcher, actually, with an ERA below three at all. It's Josh Mallets. First guy we'll talk about. Eight appearances, just 12 innings pitch, so it's more mostly short appearances. Um, is, has not thrown a lot of SEC innings. Uh, he's th- appeared in four SEC series. Uh, didn't go terribly long in either one of them, just .1 innings against South Carolina. .2 innings last night against Southeast Missouri. Low ERA, high uh, strikeout guy, 227 bat- a batting average against. I don't. We saw him last year. But I don't think Josh Mallets is somebody that's going to come in and just throw four innings of, of shutout relief or anything like that. He's going to be more of a shorter stint, maybe two innings, maybe. Mason Nichols, he has 12 appearances, 14.1 innings pitched, 4.4 ERA, 19 Ks to six walks. So he's a little bit of a strikeout guy, but he does have a high opponent batting average at around 260, and his last SEC action was March 18th. So there's another guy, may or may not see this week. He did pitch last night. Riley Maddox, um, this is a guy that is probably one of their better relievers, one of their more used relievers in terms of appearances. In fact, they're most used. 13 appearances, 20.2 innings pitch. So he can go a while. Uh, he's a guy that's not going to – he's not coming in to go, you know, half uh, 0.2 innings or something like that. 
has started a few uh, games, I believe. Triple check that. No, no, no. Maddox Riley has not started at all. So he's definitely, you know, looking for some long relief. He's got multiple outings of two innings or more. None more than three, though. 4.79 ERA, 15 Ks to eight walks. So we will walk you a little, but he's def- he's not really much for strikeouts. High batting average against, exact, actually the exact same as Nichols, 259. He has allowed multiple runs in eight of his last ten appearances. So Riley Maddox, although he's much used, he's not exactly slamming the door shut. Brandon Johnson, this is a guy you got to watch out for. He's got 10 appearances, 19.1 innings pitched, 5.12 ERA, so that's pretty high. Uh, you wonder where that comes from because he's got 30 strikeouts and just a 213 opponent batting average. Does have 11 walks in those 19 innings. But Brandon Johnson, uh, he's a strikeout guy that can go longer in the games. You know, he's not uh, just there to, for a couple outs. He'll go – he went 3.2 innings against Alabama, went just under three innings against South Carolina. So he'll go a little while. John Gaddis, 10 appearances, 31 uh, innings pit. So that's a guy that's going a lot a lot of uh, innings. Guy that had high expectations for coming into the se- season. I don't know if he's really met them. 5.17 ERA. 34 Ks to 12 uh, walks, so he'll strike out a little bit, but still about that Brandon Smith clip. You know, we, they don't have like the Preston Johnson type of strikeout guy. Definitely not the Landon Sims like a stripe type of strikeout guy on this roster, except for maybe Brandon Johnson, maybe. Um, 282 batting average against for Gaddis, so you can hit him. He's hittable. His relief appearances have been better than his starts, though, so that's part of the reason he's not in the rotation. He uh, Gaddis is a guy uh, that has started six games. Uh, he has four relief appearances, and when he comes out of the bullpen, he's a little bit better. So that doesn't bode well for us as far as he goes. Jack, I don't know how to say it. Doherty? 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 I'm going to say Doherty. A, it's not an uncommon last name. I don't know why I can't pronounce it. Um, he's got eight appearances, 23.1 innings pick. So there's another guy. Uh, does have a couple starts, though, but he can go a little bit longer. He'll, he's gone three innings multiple times. He, in fact, he usually does. He's gone five innings once. But Jack Dougherty, I think it's Dougherty, 5.79 ERA, 39 Ks to just eight walks. So this is their next best, probably perhaps their best strikeout guy right here, him and then Brandon Johnson. Uh, 39 Ks to eight walks, but very hittable. Very hittable, but will strike you out. 295 opponent batting average. I mean, if you've got nine guys on your team batting 295, you're doing pretty good. I mean, that's a high team batting average. So that's how you know that he will let uh, let you get a hit. Last guy we'll talk about, and then we'll uh, let Daniel take the hitters. Drew McDaniel. We all saw him last year. We remember what he was like. 12 appearances, several starts, 22.1 innings pitch. So he's not lasting terribly long for a guy that's supposed to be, you know, kind of a starter. He hasn't gone – he's gone five innings once. He went five innings as a midweek start against Murray State. He started this midweek game against Southeastern Missouri State. He's got an a ERA just above six. 32 uh, strikeouts, so he'll strike you out too. That's, those kind of your three guys, Johnson, Gaddis, and McDaniel, are looking for Ks. But 14 walks in those 22 innings pitch, so he's not very pitch efficient there. A 250 opponent batting average, uh, and he's kind of like their – Parker Stinnett, you know, lots of strikeouts, lots of walks, has started some, has done some relief. ERA is similar. He's very similar in that regard. It's a right-handed guy, uh, giving up a couple home runs. That's just kind of kind of the comparison that I draw there. That's it for the pitchers. I know I threw a lot of names at you, but none of these guys, I mean, their best quote-unquote stats guy, 
Josh Mallets, he's not pitching a ton of SEC innings. Okay. Their next best stats guy, ERA from an ERA standpoint, Mason Nichols, he's not pitching in the, in the SEC very much at all. Then after that, everybody's above 4.5 earn run average. So nobody here is scaring you from a earn run average standpoint. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like on paper, when you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll be able to mash them. But I mean, last year, when you look at the matchup last year, I remember Drew McDaniel, he retired like 10 straight until Rowdy Jordan was able to get a solo home run. And it didn't take long after that, the bat started to click. And when we got that huge, huge six inning rally that everyone remembers, they knew where they were whenever we went on that, that big rally. But let's take a look at the hitters now. Uh, through 36 games, Ole Miss is hitting 283 with 61 home runs. They've struck out 305 times and walked 168. And they're averaging about 8.1 runs per game. Um, now, the way that compares to us, at least through 38 games, we're hitting 275, 67 home runs. We've struck out 315 times and walked 186. We're scoring right below them at 7.5 runs per game. Um, no one on the team has 30 walks or 40 strikeouts on our side, that is. That, that comes into play later when we're comparing some of these hitters. Yep, yep. Um, it's the first guy, the one that everyone knows, uh, the man that had a recently uh, repaired knee, Tim Elko, right? Everyone knows who he's in. Don't, don't let me, you know, that little comment, sell him short. Tim Elko is a phenomenal baseball player. He hits the ball hard. He hits the ball deep. He hits home runs, and he's a phenomenal baseball player. This season, he's slashing a 320 average uh, with 695 slugging, 424 on base, 47 runs batted in, 47 with 15 home runs. The big thing here is 43 strikeouts. Hunter Hines leads the team there with 39, so just a few below. The 43 strikeouts for Tim Elko. He's going to strike out a few times this weekend. He's also walked 22 times on the year. But everyone knows who Tim Elko is. He is the captain of this team. He is the lifeblood, the soul of this team. I mean, if he gets on a tear, it will be a big problem for us. Because I, I feel like I've noticed whenever he's starting to do well, the rest of the team kind of like picks up that energy, right, and follow him with that. Next one is a bit of a utility guy. Um, plays catcher, DH, sometimes left field. Camp Alderman, uh, he's hitting 306, uh, 551 slugging, a 398 on base, 17 runs batted in, five home runs, 25 strikeouts, and just 98 at bats, right? Um, bit of a guy who came onto the scene, right? And, and it's still like, you're looking at it from the almost perspective, it's a bit frustrating. Like he's striking out a quarter of the time, that's about once per game. About once per game, whenever he comes up to the plate this year, he's going to strike out, you know, one in every four at-bats. But after you get past that one strikeout, he's going to go get a single. He's going to go drive in a run. He's going to go do the things that you want to see out of him. He's a guy to look out for. Another one that we're all familiar with is Justin Bench, center field and third base. I think from what I've noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I've seen him more in center field recently. I think he – Bench. Bench, yeah. Mostly they, they, in the outfield, yeah. Yeah. Mostly – it's going to be uh, Burford, Reagan. What's his name? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, Ray the last Burford, name is Burford. Let me go check that. I know his last name's Burford, the one you're thinking of. Um, yeah, Reagan Burford has been has been in uh third most of the time. But when he's not on third, it's bench. So I mean looking at it, you know, Justin Bench is hitting 301, 391, 391, 391 slugging, 391 on base, right? Uh 26 runs batted in, one home run. You know what you're gonna get out of him. That that guy always does find a way to get hits in clutch situations. He is one of the better hitters for a reason. You know, Bench is a name to look out for. Um, not that power guy that you see in Elko or sometimes in Alderman or Jacob Gonzalez, who I'm about to get to. Um, but he does find a way to be productive for this team and drive in runs. Mentioning Gonzalez, let's go down to him. The shortstop, preseason All-American. I mean, everyone knew he was a phenomenal player coming into this season. Been a little bit below expectations, if I can say that. I mean, looking at his OPS, it's phenomenal, right? He's, his average is 278. His on-base percentage is 429. Slugging at 635. That's an OPS over 1,000. I mean, that's 1,050. The average is what kind of gets. He's not hitting as much as you originally thought he would. Because last year, he was hitting the cover off the ball. And they're driving in. Well, not driving in, I guess, because he, he was the leadoff guy. But this year, you know, that's a slash line. 31's run, 31 runs batted in, 11 home runs. This is the big stat. 31 walks. So this Ole Miss team has played 36 games this year. Jacob Gonzalez has walked 31 times. The guy that's playing every single day is walking almost once per game. And only 18 strikeouts to add to that. You know, and – um. I mean, he he is, you know, been on fire for this team in terms of getting on base and being a productive player, right? He's the only guy with more walks on 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 the team than strikeouts. That is a huge stat, right? That's why he plays where he plays in, in that in the beginning of that lineup because he gets on base so that whenever you have guys like Tim Elko and Justin Bench come behind you, you hope that they can drive him in. Uh, moving on down, we got T.J. McCants. The, he's playing in right field this year, hitting 283 average, 485 slugging, 373 on base, just at above an 800 OPS, 21 runs batted in, five home runs, 30 strikeouts, and 99 at-bats. Let me repeat that. 30 strikeouts and 99 at-bats. Holy cow. Not great, right? Not a great way to start the year. Um, He's definitely been struggling a bit at, 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 you know, making contact. But when he does make contact, it can be scary, right? Because he's making it on base 37 times out of 100, right? And, and you know, it's almost four times out of 10. That's something you want out of a player. A 3.73 on base percentage is not bad at all. You want that out of one of your better players. And a guy like McCants, who they expect a lot out of, that is a huge thing. Uh, the last guy we're getting to is the catcher, uh, Hayden, best catcher in the SEC, Dunhurst, as said by a writer for the school in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, yeah, no. Uh, very much not the best catcher in, in, in the state of Mississippi. Dunhurst does have a unique slash line, I will say. Uh, 
222 average, 417 slugging, and a 396 on base percentage. Only three home runs and 15 runs batted in. He's not been playing as much, right? It, 28 strikeouts and 72 at bats. 28. I mean, a few more strikeouts on the way there. You're on your way to almost striking out every other at bat. You know, that, that is, you're striking out more than once every three at bats at that rate. That is not good. That is not at the level of best catcher in the SEC. Uh, it, it's not, right? And, and Colton can agree for sure. Like, he has lived way below his expectation this year. His expectation, at least for fans in Oxford, the expectation was to be the best in the SEC. You know, like, like I understand why they thought that. Um, obviously, us Mississippi State fans know who's the best catcher in the SEC. That's but, yeah, right. He's been disappointing this year. He's been disappointing. He, he, he's no Logan Tanner, but, you know, he's found ways to, to get some walks, you know, get a few hits here and there to, like, raise his slugging but he's not hitting the cover off the ball like they expected him to. And he's not driving in runs at all. I mean, only 15 runs batted in, that, that's not impressive. That's not an impressive stat at all so far in the season. Yeah, he is tied for ninth in total at bats. So that just, he's been out of the lineup for nine games, which with your catcher, you want to give him some rest, right? Put a, and, and so out of lineup for nine games is not, you know, abnormal, but it also shows that he's not a guy that they feel like they need to have there. You know, with Logan Tanner, Last night was his first start that he's missed, and it was just kind of getting him some rest before a big weekend. Uh, he's had a couple weekends in a row where he's been beat up behind the plate and at the plate. Uh, sometimes he's hitting and he'll foul one off his leg. I feel like he does that a lot. But obviously he's not a priority bat if he's missed nine games. Just something I wanted to highlight. I, we mentioned, you know, they don't have more strikeouts than us as a team. And uh, they've got – let's just say 10 less strikeouts in two less games. So they're, they're striking out at a, at a very slightly higher overall clip than us, very slightly higher. Um, but it's pretty much the same. We are walking a slightly more, but it's just kind of a different feel over there in Oxford. So just like we don't have anybody that's – we don't have anybody with 30 walks, okay? Even Luke Hancock, Cam James, they both have a ton of walks, but they don't have 30, all right? We've got guys with 23, 28, uh, 22 walks, you know, that kind of thing. But we also don't have a guy with 40 strikeouts. You know, Hunter Hines is 39. Nobody else uh, even has 35. But 43 strikeouts for Elko. This is a – other than Gonzalez and really Bench, it's a free-swinging launch angle team, okay? And they don't have the home run numbers to match ours, not quite. They're a little bit behind. They're not striking out quite as much as ours. You can get – I guess you give all that credit to, you know, guy like guys like Jacob Gonzalez who have played every single game that aren't really striking out. Uh, some other guys that aren't striking out a ton. Hayden Leatherwood doesn't strike out that – well, no, no, that's not a good example either. Really, these starters, when you look at their total at-bats to their strikeouts, Justin Bench is good, um, Jacob Gonzalez is really good, but their total at-bats to strikeouts can be pretty poor. His overall percentage for Tim Elko, we, I told you it was 43 strikeouts, but it is out of 128 at-bats. That's not awful, but we don't like, – I told you we got guys, you know, he mentioned, they got several guys, a quarter or a third or almost half of their bats they're striking out. We don't have anybody close to that. We got guys that strike out 20% of the time at the most, okay? 
Uh, that includes Hunter Heinz. He's he's got forty, but he's got and a hundred and forty. You know, or almost forty and almost one hundred forty at bats. You've got a guy like um, Cam James, who's just over thirty and one hundred forty at bats. Brad Cummins, same thing, just over thirty and one hundred forty at bats. They're not. That's not thirty and ninety at bats. That's a big difference. So um, really kind of odd that the strikeout, how the strikeout numbers kind of are going to come into play here. For that, we just kind of got to move on to our keys and then our predictions, and we'll get out of here. And there's not too many keys. I'm not going to give too many. I don't think Daniel's going to give too many. If we play Mississippi State baseball, if a couple of relievers step up, one, maybe two, maybe three, really bear down, and if the starters can go long, they just got to – and I think the starters, really, they just have to be who they are. They don't have to uh, reinvent themselves. They just don't need to be the same guys at on the road as they are at home, which is asking a lot. But if they can do that and be pitch efficient, you're going to be in really, really good shape. And I think one very specific key is you got to kind of got to kind of find a way against the sinker slider guy in Delucia. That kind of makes me nervous a little bit. He is kind of the pitcher that is, has given us trouble. But if you just play Mississippi State baseball. And more importantly, if you just let Ole Miss be who they are, you've got an inferior coach, an inferior program. I won't say inferior athletes because that's not uh, in good taste. But I might insinuate that. You should win this series even if it's on the road. I'm predicting uh, at that at 2-1. and one. I try to talk myself out of winning this series, guys. We have not played well. We're playing a little bit better as of late, but that's just the last – Four games, you know, against uh, LSU, it wasn't looking good. Against UAB, it really wasn't looking good. I mean, you really don't have too much to build on here, and you're down a couple pitchers. I want to talk myself into losing this game, but the series history, man, I just can't. I can't do it. I think it's been like 2,500 days since we uh, lost a game to Ole Miss. So I'm going to give us a 2-1. Daniel, what are your keys and your prediction? Well, you know, on our sheets right now, I don't have – I have very – one sentence uh, on the keys to the game uh, is that we're going to win, screw Ole Miss. The reason I say that is this. It, you made the comment, and I'm going to expand on it. You made the comment about, you know, inferior athletes. When it comes to defending your state, and there are not a lot of states that have the pride of Mississippi. Like, when it comes to the South, we are prideful of our state. And, and if, if you ask me now, granted, like I, I've lived in a lot of states in the South. The only state that carries more pride for the name of the state than Mississippi is Texas. That's a different breed of animal right there. But Mississippi carries so much pride. And to be the king of the state of Mississippi is different. Technically, this year, we're fighting for second place. That doesn't matter right? That does not matter one bit. We are fighting for the, the king of the state. I don't care what Southern Miss fans say. Like, it, it is unless Southern Miss, like, goes to Omaha five times in a row, this battle will be the battle for the king of the state of Mississippi. And, and even though Southern Miss is better than both teams this year, I still know for sure who, whoever wins this series in the Governor's Cup is for sure the best in the state of Mississippi. I don't care what happened in those little midweek games that that Southern Miss played, right? With that being said, the last time that – I guess, oh, my goodness. Last time that Ole Miss 
won a home game against Mississippi State in Oxford, Barack Obama was president. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Just the way. <laughs> 2015. He was he was we weren't even really gearing up for the for the election. Like it was it was a long time. It was seven years ago. We were also that was a pathetic team, mind you, like team that didn't even make Hoover, right? A horrible team. But Barack Obama was the president of the United States. We have since gone through an entire two entire election terms, presidential elections since the last time they won. We've so had two elections, two summer and winter Olympics, an entire oh, right. pandemic. Oh, right. Look, <laughs> I have not been great on my predictions this year. I think I've only gotten one or two series right all season long on this show. Well, Dad, come in. I'm going to get another one this week. We're sweeping. I, Mark, my yeah. Word. I wish I had an air horn. <laughs> So I'm I'm going caution to the wind. I'm gonna or I'm going cautious. You're going caution to the wind. I got us at two one. You got us at three zero. I said we were gonna lose two out of three last week, and what do you know? We won. I I am going so bold right now. We own this state. We are the team. 2018 is when we turned our season around against who? Against Ole Miss. Happening again this season. Count it. Bookmark it. We're gonna make it in as a two seed, and it's all gonna come from a series win, a sweep in Oxford, and a Governor's Cup win. You're going 4-0. 4-0. I can't see the, the emotions I would feel of happiness if we went 4-0. <laughs> That's, that one's bold. It's late night right now when we're recording this, so I am a little bit delusional, but I am calling. you got to go 3-1, and one, though. Like, you absolutely have to. Why? We, there's, I just – Another way, like, I don't see how we lose the Governor's Cup. I mean, that, I feel like that game almost carries more significance than the series itself. Especially no. If we were to somehow lose the series in Oxford but won the Governor's Cup, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, that – going two and two and three of those games on the road, one at the neutral site, you almost give the winner there to the – I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, winning the series is so important. But, no, I'm, I'm saying 4-0, 4-0. 4-0. When we come back next week, we're going to preview Missouri. We will have gone 4-0. I like it. I like it. So that's all we got for tonight. Uh, kind of a, a little bit more of an in-depth show. It is Rivalry Week's Rivalry Week. And I'm a guy that prides myself on being able to pronounce Red River Rivalry, who which they have changed the name of because nobody can pronounce it. Wait, uh, really? Yeah, now they call it the Red River Shootout. Oh, okay. Well, I, that does make sense, though. I like to say Red River Rivalry. I can say it. I can say that, but it, it's almost a knock on the Big 12. True, you know? true, true. I mean, Which Oklahoma's played better defense as of late. But that said, uh, we're going to get out of here. Going to have this show up in time for your Thursday morning uh, commute. Uh, so that's really good. Getting it ahead uh, of that Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. We'll be back on Monday to look at uh, what happens. I'm going to be nervous all weekend. It's going to be a high anxiety weekend, even if even we're way ahead. I'm, it's going to be nerve wracking. I know all of y'all are going to feel the same way. Hang in there. We're going to make it through this together. Until next time, as always, swing your sword and hail state.